Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. This week's podcast episode is brought to you by Sizap. That is the motorcycle tracker and rider's mate. Also available for cars, jet skis, all-terrain vehicles and everything else that you may own with an engine in essence. So if you're in the market for something like that, go and check them out. All of the details in the written description below. That is sizap.com. No monthly subscription as well. Once you bought it, that's it. It's done. Right. Let's get down to it. I'm still in Sicily. In fact, I've only actually got two days left here. I just had the most amazing ride yesterday. I was filming with Monica. Um, we went on a ride to the, the Targa Florio racetrack. I won't give too much away now, but it is the oldest and thought to be most beautiful and most dangerous racetrack in the world. The likes of Sterling Moss, Fangio, Graham Hill have all driven on that route and it was a fantastic day in the sun yesterday. I've tried today to go to the quietest room in the apartment where we're staying in Palermo, the capital of Sicily. Now, the Italians like to use their horns a lot, but I think I've become slightly immune to the, the use of horns because I almost don't hear it. I had an email from Sam so apologies um, for, for anyone who hears the horns in the background. Uh, Sam sent me an, uh, an email. Enjoying a podcast from Sicily sounds like having a good time. Just one small problem, Freddie. I listen to the podcast while driving my car. Too wet at the moment to drive or to ride my Triumph Street Twin. Uh, and today I was conscious of cars around me constantly tooting their horns. It took me several minutes to realise that in fact the car horns were in the background of your recording. Do you think you could record in a cupboard or maybe a better idea, get Monica to get out of the balcony and shout down to the impatient Italians to pipe down for just half an hour while I finish off the podcast? Well, Sam, I've asked Monica to give a shout down to hopefully quieten down the horn tooting. I've gone into a quieter room and just a word of warning, anyone listening in the cars, if you're constantly getting tooted, it may well be the podcast. However, this will, sadly for me, be the last podcast from Sicily. So thank you, Sam, for the heads up and apologies if you hear a lot of horns in the background. Right. I'm going to get down to it with a question on a bike choice from a biker who has been away from biking for a little bit. Have a listen to this. Hi, Freddie. Just started listening to your podcasts. Um, I'm 44 years old and have been away from biking for around 18 months due to a house move. My last bike was a Suzuki GSX. S750, which I liked. Performance was immense, but lacked the protection from the wind. Having settled after the move, I want another bike. Basically looking for something that's good for a Sunday blast, but wouldn't be out of place two up for a one to two hour trip to the coast. Budget would be 4K. What do you recommend? I'm in the UK. So sorry, I sometimes forget to do this. I completely forgot to write down your name. I, just before every podcast, I, I save the, the emails and the messages I get. I usually save the name. I'm so, so sorry for not writing down your name, but thank you so much for sending in this email through the website. Okay, right. Do you know what I'm going to do first? This is a really interesting one. You're looking for a bike. 
person who's written in here, looking for a bike under £4,000, which is a perfectly respectable budget in the UK. There'll be plenty you can get. And in fact, funnily enough, £4,000 has been the budget, or has been my budget for two of my previous motorcycles. My Triumph Bonneville, I had a 4K budget. I got it for 3650 and my Triumph Speed Twin had a budget of 4,000 and I ended up spending 4,100 on it. So this, at least in my experience, very popular budget. You won't have any issues with this at all. Your last bike was a Suzuki GSSX 750. So you'll be used to something with a decent amount of performance. You're looking for something with good wind protection and decent for two up. So I don't think you're going to be too worried here. I hope I'm right in saying about getting something specifically modern classic. So I'm going to be completely open-minded. I'm looking for something sensible, minimum 600cc, because I can see you're used to a bit of power here, but genuinely comfortable for longer trips. Now, first place. Do you know the first place for me when, when looking for vehicles often used to be Auto Trader, and it still probably is my first port of call. And then my second port of call used to be eBay. However, I have heard growing and ever growing um, kind of sounds that Facebook Marketplace is the new gum tree. And you know what? Hand on heart, I'm starting to agree with it. Facebook Marketplace is a little bit scary and intimidating, but if you can kind of just understand briefly how it works. There are some good deals to have, and one of the reasons for that, the majority of vehicles on Facebook Marketplace, in my experience, seem to be from private sellers, whereas the majority of vehicles on Auto Trader seem to be from traders. So if, you're, if you've got a budget of about 4K or under, you're going to get much more bike for the money if you buy privately. So my personal preference would be go onto Facebook Marketplace. And this is how I'll do it. Right, so if I click on Facebook Marketplace, I often find actually with Facebook Marketplace, it's easier to navigate when you're on the laptop. So get onto the laptop, Facebook Marketplace, click on vehicles. There are now more, more sections that you can click on here than ever before on Facebook Marketplace. It's better than ever. After I've clicked on vehicles, I click on motorcycles. I then click if you've got a budget of 4K, I'm going to say 4,300 pounds because we can negotiate that last bit down. Condition, well, used of course. Year, I'm going to say 2008 onwards because you want this to be something reliable that you can go a bit of two-upping on, some Sunday, Sunday morning blasts. You need it to be decently reliable. And I will say mileage, body style, none of that matters. That's fine. Okay. And I think we're good to go. Ipswich within four kilometers. No, no, no. Let's go 250 kilometers. I'm sure you'll be happy with the ride. Right, let's get to it. What have we got? Unfortunately, I don't think I can choose. Let me just see, can I choose engine size? Model, mileage, exterior color, transmission type, but no engine size yet. Someone tell me if I'm wrong with Facebook Marketplace. Okay, I begin. I can easily filter this out. That's fine. Suzuki GSXR. Well, no, You're, you want some two-upping. That's not going to be right. Here we go. First one up. First one up. 
I, I want to say your name after I say this. I'm so sorry. First one up, I've got... I think I've got something already. Straight off the bat. Straight off the bat. And I think... No messing about, this is it. I'm going to save this and put a link in the written description of this podcast episode because I honestly think this is the bike for you. Facebook Marketplace, private seller. And first thing I look at here, it's a 2012 BMW F800. That is, in essence, the smaller version of the gigantic BMW GS1250. It's £3,900. You can get that down to maybe 3750 it's got 56,000 miles on it. And this is one of the reasons why it's good value. But it's a BMW. These will go on forever. Whenever I do a survey, what's, tell me the biggest mileage motorbike you've ever had. BMW usually have two or three of their bikes in the top 10, usually the Japanese and BMWs. So 56,000 miles, don't worry about that. That's a good reason to be able to get it for good value and it will go on forever. BMW service history up to 48,600 miles. So only in the past 7,500 miles has it not had BMW history. It's got a ABS, heated grips, lovely comfy looking rear seat. It's got that uh, wind protection, the front visor, windshield, front windshield. It's got a Krapovich pipes, LED lights, two original keys with fobs. I always like looking at the pictures of these. Immaculate looking front garden. Really very, very nice, clean, tidy front garden. The bike is clean. They've even got panniers on them. I wonder if it would come with the panniers. I don't know about that, but this is a superb looking bike. Absolutely superb. Okay, that's 3,900 pounds. And that will be two up in comfort. It will be a bike you can be proud to take out on the weekends and a bike you can do touring with so easily. Just the perfect touring bike. Let me just see if I can find anything else that's obviously, that obviously could be of interest. But I think that, and only 10 years old for a lovely looking BMW with the high mileage. This is why you can get it cheap. I always, I always go for high mileage vehicles. They never break. Modern vehicles, they just, they don't die. Engines don't just die. They're all brilliant. Go and get a bargain. Get a high mileage vehicle because there's nothing wrong with them at all. And to have one that's been so well maintained, BMW history, so recently, I think it's a no-brainer. We've also got another interesting one here. If you want to save even more money, let me just check this. There's a 2009 Triumph Tiger here, 1050cc engine, I mean, you know, this is an interesting one, in grey, perfectly smart looking bike, big engine, bigger than the BMW, lovely comfy looking rear seat, MOT until May 2023, has a top box rack and spare end can to go with, only selling as it doesn't get used, very nice looking bike, and it's you won't believe this, it's 2,100 pounds. 58,000 kilometers, I don't know why Facebook's got it on kilometers, but that would be about 42,000 miles. It is a proper British bike. 2,100 pounds for a Triumph Tiger. I mean, it's half the budget and it still looks like a perfectly respectable looking bike and just 13 years old. 
Let me just have another bit of flicking through, see if I can find anything else more interesting. You know, for the bigger adventure bikes, I would say you can't go far wrong with those, especially if you're coming from a sports bike and you want something a bit more comfortable, I would say you can't go far wrong with that. Just one more I want to say on Facebook Marketplace. There's a Triumph Street Triple, but then it's not as comfy for a pillion and it doesn't have that wind protection on the front. So I think you're going to be looking at one of those adventure bikes. I hope that has helped out. I especially like the BMW, so I'm going to put a link to that in the written description. Uh, and I tell you what I'll do. Let me just see if I can get back to that Triumph and I will save. Here we go. I'll save that Triumph just in case you're interested in that. Right, I'm moving on. Freddie, uh, enjoyed the Italian horns in the background. I meant to write... I meant to write after last week's podcast to ask you to refrain from talking about electric vehicles for a week, uh, for a week or two. Uh, thanks for not talking about electric bikes in today's podcast. I agree with last week's letter writer. Keep the governments out of the process. So I'll move on now to financing bikes. Bad idea. If you did that eight-year loan for your dream bike in six months, and let me just digress and go back. Last week, I, I in essence said, look, I found my dream bike, an Indian, and I could get a loan for eight years or something like that, paying back about £300 a month for eight years on about a £23,000 bike. Um, you know, and I said that's a good way of actually being able to buy my dream bike, which wouldn't be possible otherwise. So this is in response to that. Uh, I continue, bad idea. If you did that eight-year loan for your dream bike, in six months, maybe a year, it wouldn't be your dream any longer. If you're like me, the, pure, uh, the pursuit of the bike is nearly equal to owning the bike. I've never financed a bike and don't even know what my dream bike is. But after riding, well, after riding well-used bikes for 30 years plus, I've never had the stress of a bank loan tied to a bike. For me, that's worth a lot. Okay, so no EVs and no financing. That about covers it. Enjoy your adventures. Thank you, Dave, for sending that in. You know, th this is it. This is, the, this is the conundrum I'm always in. You know, I'm relatively speaking financially free because I, you know, I don't have any vehicles on finance. Um, and at the moment, at least, you know, I don't, I don't have a, a, a big property. You know, I've just got a, a tiny little flat, so I don't even have a, a big mortgage. And it's weighing up, isn't it? You know, the, the cost of getting your dream vehicle or your dream house, it's, it's, it all goes as one of the same. Getting that dream thing that you like versus that incredible feeling of freedom that you have when you don't have those monthly overheads. Uh, so Dave, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm probably more on your side with this. It's, it's a lovely feeling when you, you don't have, you know, every month just, ah, oh, you know, working to pay off the bills, you know. It does get tough, it does, you know. Emotionally it gets tough having to pay those bills every month. And, and having a bike that you just buy for cash, yeah, that's worth a lot. And then when you take it out, you know, 
take it out every day and you've got that complete freedom, uh, you know, your head, you're free in your head when riding it, that is worth an awful lot of money. I haven't been riding 30 years, but I have been driving 20 years and riding for 11 or 12 years now, I think. It may actually be 12 years I think I've been riding now, wow. Um, and I've done a mixture of some loans, about £4,000 and buying bikes for cash. And, and yes, Dave, I, I, I do get that 100%. There's a definite freedom you get when you don't have the finance associated with it. Thank you for sending that over. Right, moving on. Rob in the US. Rob, always appreciated when you send me over uh, little snippets of what's going on in the US at the moment. And this I found especially interesting. Let me just stand up for a sec. Because... I mentioned last week, and apologies if I sound bunged up, sorry, but somehow I've, I've managed to get a cold here in Sicily with 26 degree heat and nothing but glorious weather, yet I've, I've managed to get a cold. I have no idea how I've done it. Um, I said last week that there's a, a, a slight undercurrent in Europe that the Harley-Davidson Pan America um, has a few initial teething problems. You know, it's not quite up to the standard of the European rivals when we look at the GS, the Tiger, the Multistrada, the KTMs. It's got a way to go to catch up with those. And it's, you know, hardly surprising, I don't blame it. It's Harley-Davidson's first ever adventure bike. However, Rob sent me this over. It's an article and the title, Harley-Davidson Pan America tops sales charts in the US. I'm reading here from topspeed.com. <clears throat> it seems the adventure bike gamble is paying off for Harley-Davidson. It was a huge departure for the historic manufacturer, but it seems as if the gamble has paid off as the Pan America adventure bike tops the sales charts in the adventure sports segment, I should say, in the US. Mere months after the bike is launched, Harley-Davidson this week uh, announced that the Pan America Adventure Bike, its first attempt at building another, uh, anything other than a cruiser, apart from the live wire, of course, um, has topped the charts. Fascinating. Harley-Davidson, I'm just carrying on a bit here. Harley-Davidson took a huge risk in entering the market in this class, but it seems that they have got their sums right. Of course, such great success uh, goes way beyond the loyalty of US customers for the brand. The Pan America is a brilliant adventure bike in its own right and can hold its head up against the best that Europe and J Japanese manufacturers can offer. It has all of the technology and ability you could ever need while still being easy to operate. It uh, lays a strong claim to being the best bike the company has ever built. If you look at handling and performance on road as much as off road. Well, I can almost guarantee it will be the best all rounder Harley I've ever built, but it's probably not saying much because they're mainly cruisers. I liked the Pan America when I took it out in Tenerife for a couple of days. I, I did actually say at the time, it's probably the best bike I've ever ridden. However, I think it's the only adventure bike I've ever ridden. So I, I can't compare it to any other adventure bikes, but that is eye-opening that the Pan America, a good bike, has topped the sales charts, beaten the mighty BMW GS. You know, it's toppled the BMW GS. 
incredible. There's still an extremely rare sight here, Rob, in, in Europe, to give you an idea. I mean, I know they're new, but I haven't seen one Pan America in anywhere in Italy, anywhere driving through Europe at all. Uh, I think I saw one over the summer in the UK. Still a very rare sight. Let me check something here. Harley Davidson Pan America UK. Okay, if I go onto the UK Harley Davidson site and I go to Pan America, let's just see if this opens up because I am in Italy at the moment. I'm curious about something. Right, the UK price of a Pan America, and you know, I actually quite like it looks wise. I'm looking at it now. It, you know, it's funny, when you look at a bike, it kind of takes you back. And I remember two stunning, stunning days in, in Tenerife riding this bike. You know, and I, I did say it was the best bike I've ever ridden. And I remember it now. It's just got effortless, limitless power. And to my, to my listener earlier who was asking, you know, what bike to go for, comfy on a, a Sunday and good for two up. You know, these adventure bikes are very, very good. Very good bikes. It's funny because I was in Tenerife. I had this Pan America for two days. And I'll be completely honest, adventure bikes, styling wise, that they are not my kind of bike. Um, but I had this Pan America for two days, brand new, you know, huge bike, 1250cc engine. And I, I lived in Tenerife, this Spanish island, and you're within an hour and a half of every... <coughs> Excuse me. You're within an hour and a half of everything. You can go right up to the top of a volcano, all the way over the other side. You've got luscious green forests and then desert-like scenery to the south of the island and everything in between. And something that I used to love doing, either by myself or with a good friend of mine who's still on the island, go on a Sunday morning ride right up to the volcano, wake up early, go up to the volcano, grab a coffee there, three hours out and back in time for lunchtime. It was as heavenly as it sounds. It was just pure, pure living. There's no better way to spend a day than waking up early and heading off on your motorbike up a volcano, stop for a couple of coffees and just chat about bikes and nonsense. It's amazing. And when I had this Pan America, I did the longest ride, just ride for riding's sake, by myself, I think I've ever done. I think I was out for about four hours on the Pan America because it was just riding heaven. The smoothness of the power delivery, the comfort for all day in the saddle, you know, the wind protection. I was just so relaxed sitting there just like riding heaven, just soaking everything in, just enjoying the beautifully balanced handling, but no wind buffeting, no kind of shifting around if you're getting uncomfortable and needing to stretch out. It's a superbly good bike. And you, you often, or I often don't realize how good these big adventure bikes are until, you know, I was on this Pan America, I've been riding four hours and I could not get enough of it. I didn't want to go home because I, I jumped off after four hours riding. I could have gone for another four hours. No stiffness, no aching, no kind of stretching out after being on it. It's a very good bike. I mean, it should be a good bike. 
It's £15,595. But let me have a quick look at this. This is often a good, a good barometer as to how popular and how good a bike is. I'm going on to Autotrade and I'm typing Harley Davidson Pan America. Bear in mind they have not been around long and the new price is 15595 Well, how much have they come down in the one year they've been out? Just one year. And I'm surprised. It's fascinating, actually. Fascinating. Uh, oh, I'll say again, apologies for repeating myself, but 15595 for a new one. I can pick up a 2022 Harley-Davidson Pan America, so just a few months old, funnily enough, from Triumph, so clearly I think they probably traded in for Triumph Tiger. I can pick one up for £10,995. That means that in the space of a year or under, in reality under a year, it has dropped four and a half thousand pounds and that's not taking into account the fact that it may actually have some optional extras that would have pushed up the price huge amount coming in here for i say huge amount a good chunk coming in here for eleven and a half grand you know that is a four thousand pound saving a four thousand pound drop just in under a year and considering we've got these issues with motorbike supplies do you call them these electronic microchips and all this stuff? I would say actually the prices have dropped more than I thought. And this could well be a good opportunity to pick up a bargain. You know, that, that's seriously tempting. £10,995 for Pan America with 5,000 miles, 2022 model. And it's even got the rear racks on there as well, ready for panniers. You know, when I look at it, hand on heart, I, 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 yeah, maybe this better adventure bike in the GS, but I really like these. I would consider that. And that is a seriously tempting price point if you're looking at that. Seriously tempting. Right, I'll move on. Let's have a look. Uh, oh, oh, I had to get on this. This is a bike I've never heard of. JB in Scotland. Hi, Freddie. Um, uh, my, my latest classic tip, have a listen to this. Thanks, JB, for sending this in. My latest classic tip, possibly the coolest Yamaha ever made. I can almost guarantee you won't get it. The 1981 Yamaha XS1100 Midnight Special and any XS1100 from specifically 1978 to the mid-1980s. I had never come across this before, JB sent me over a pick. Stunning looking bike. Honestly, if this went on sale right now as a brand new bike, I think it would, I really think it would sell out. It's, it's like a more characterful version. I, I think it's a better looking version of, uh, you know, the cruisers that they've come out with recently. I think this would be a much, much better seller <coughs> than, than the current, uh, the current, Yamaha Cruiser. I'm going to put, let me put this in, see if these are available readily. Yamaha XS 1100 Sale UK. I'm guessing this is going to be quite, quite a rare bike. 
Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put this into, let's try Gumtree to mix it up on a few different places. So I'm onto Gumtree here. Yamaha XS1100. Are there any available at all? Quite interesting, there's one here from 1991. But, see this is where years are so important. I'm looking at the one from 1991 and it looks perfectly good. It is a good looking bike actually, 4,795 uh, pounds. But it is not as good looking as the, the 79 to mid 80s model. Let me see if I can find one of these on eBay. 19, what was it? 1979. Uh, 1981, yeah, which is 1978 to the mid-80s. This is the sweet spot. Will eBay have one of these? Okay, let's have a look. Sometimes years are so important with getting the exact right looks. There is one. Oh, okay, got one. 1979 model, 2,850 pounds, UK eBay, stunning looking bike. Swept back handlebars, this is all in black with that classically characterful 70s, kind of early to mid, even late 80s style engine as well. Oh, almost mini eight bars, but just swept back, stunning looking bike. Beautiful condition, this. And it's £2,850. I'm reading here, Yamaha XS1100 Special Classic 1979 road bike. Runs and rides very well. Super quiet, smoke and rattle free engine. Oh, I'm putting this on. Check the written description of this. If someone wants a, a classic, buy this bike. It, it, it's really very special. Very special, classically styled. The proportions of it. Think, think, think Triumph Bonneville with a very, very slight cruiser style angle with the swept back bars and classic old style seat, but in a, a really nice 1970s, 1980s Japanese mix. Really beautiful, beautiful looking machine. God, that's tempting. What's interesting, this guy selling it on eBay has imported himself from the USA. It will be supplied with the, the Nova number and the USA title to enable very easy age-related UK registration. For an extra £150, I will register the bike for you. Uh, this normally takes three weeks, but it may take a little longer. Do you know what? I think I'd get him to do it just to save me the hassle, pay the extra £150. VAT included in the price, all import taxes paid. Very interesting, maybe quite rare in the UK, that's why they're shipping them over. Go and check that out. Okay, there are two more bits I just wanted to touch upon. Oh, JB, thank you for sending that over. Still looking at the pic, amazing. Okay, right. Freddy, okay, I'll move on. Freddy, I'm Luca from Italy. I hope you're enjoying your stay in Sicilia. It's a beautiful island. Soon I'll have enough money together to buy my first ever motorbike. And I fell in love with Royal Enfield Meteor after watching your review. I just love, love the looks and simplicity of it. Um, 
watching your videos and listening to your podcast has given me the spark of excitement that I need to take the decision to buy a bike. I'm getting my license now and I hope I'll be able to cruise along the Italian coasts next summer. Just wanted to thank you for the work and definitely should get brioches e granita for breakfast. Luca, I will go on the hunt in Sicily for that for breakfast. Thank you for sending that over. And I'm delighted to hear from you, Luca, because this is exactly why, for one, exactly why I love, I love Royal Enfield. And secondly, this is exactly why Royal Enfield has completely changed the motorcycling game. Because they have brought cool, affordable bikes to the markets like no one, almost no one has ever done. You know, genuinely, genuinely aspirational motorbikes. You know, that people like me, you, Luca, who's just about to pass his test, you know, he can go out there, get ready. You can pass your test and then have the dream of actually buying a bike you really want. You know, for less than £4,000, the Meteor, about £3,800 or so, you can actually go out there and get your dream bike without thinking, oh, I'm going to have to take a £13,000 loan out and, oh, maybe in 10 years, you know, maybe, maybe when I've saved up enough. No, with Royal Enfield, it means you can take your test and pass straight to the Royal Enfield dealership, not have to worry about... You know, traipsing through the, the classified ads and hoping that a bike may be reliable and hoping that a, you know, a seller has advertised a vehicle as they said and it matches up everything. No, you can go out and buy a brand new, shiny, great quality motorcycle with warranty that looks amazing and you can have your very own freedom, freedom on two wheels. It's a fantastic thing what Royal Enfield has done. And what Luke is saying here is exactly the magic of Royal Enfield. You know, for one, it's not just people getting into biking. It's, it, you could be 60 years old, you could be 40 years old, you could be, you know, wanting something much more chilled out than a sports bike. They're cool bikes full stop, but the magic of it is it gets new bikers into biking. It will enthuse people who maybe weren't considering biking to suddenly look and think, my God, I can go out and do my test and I can actually buy a, a, a dream bike that won't break the bank. You know, I'm going to be financially free, relatively speaking, and be able to enjoy a brand new bike with, with no real stress. It's fantastic. Right, I'll end... Oh, actually, no, I want to do one more thing after Luca. Luca, grazie mille. This is just because I found there were two, two interesting points. And my apologies to... Do, 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 do. Uh, my apologies to Dave. Dave, I just wanted to say one final thing, just for now, on EVs, because I, I read with great interest, and I'll wrap it up with this. I read with great interest from Elliot, who sent me over his thoughts on electric bikes. In essence, Elliot is pro-electric bikes, but he gives a good balanced argument. And there are two points I wanted to, to just touch upon with him. Number one, going back to, uh, to government involvement, um, Elliot has said, uh, last week, basically, 
there was an argument saying that the government shouldn't get involved in EVs. It should be up to the people to go out and choose the electric motorbikes and then everything else will follow. The charges will follow as more people buy them. It's not up to the government to put their hands in their pocket um, and pay for this. Elliot's argument is, and I'll read this, Freddie, the idea regarding government involvement, the idea of allowing the market to decide just isn't viable. The average person cannot see the big picture. They don't really care about it. I want to get from point A to point B. I'll take the cheapest option because I can't afford not to. Businesses out there, uh, businesses are out there to make money. At least there is a person somewhere at the top who wants that. Time and time again, big corporations will pull the wool over our eyes to lead us into believing what they offer is in, oh, excuse me, is in our best interest, when in reality, it's actually uh, about us giving them our money. Uh, yeah, it's sad, but probably true, Elliot. Can't, can't argue with that too much. At number two, it, this is the thing, isn't it? You know, when you get businesses involved, this is the thing. Whenever there's a business involved, 90% uh, of the time, Am I being unfair there 90% of the time? A lot of the time, especially when there are stakeholders involved. It, it, it comes down to money. It's very simple, especially if there are stakeholders involved. You've got to please the stakeholders. You know, they've got to see a return on the bottom line, whatever you call it. You know, they have to see a return. It's about making money. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I can't argue with that. And number two from Elliot, the EV network. More work is definitely needed with regards to building out the EV network. However, more is being done every day. In the UK, it's now a legal requirement that all charging stations offer a tap to pay option, meaning you do not need to get an app to set up an account. If we look back at the early years of combustion engines, people had many of the same concerns we do now. Elliot, thank you for that and thank you for the entire email you sent, read with, read with huge interest. I'm, I'm genuinely delighted to hear that now you can just tap your card and there is some government intervention with that because that's exactly the way it should be now and should always have been so that's fantastic to hear it right thank you so much everyone for getting involved in this week's episode thank you to Sizat for sponsoring this week's episode go and check them out for a motorcycle a rider's mate and motorcycle tracker all of the details in the written description all of the bikes discussed today in the written description below have a fantastic week all and i'll speak to you in the next one